0: Welcome to the Sargent Podcast, I'm Sarah McClintock. Still water is dangerous. It renders life-giving water toxic as it conceals and cultivates manifold diseases. The duality of this existence, an element that is at the same time essential to human life and a potential threat, is the central theme of the exhibition Stillwater Water Goes Stagnant. Examining the divergent states of landscape, documentation, connectivity and simulacra, the exhibition includes new video work by New Zealand artists Kate Woods and Brady Roode, alongside the Indonesian collective Tromadama. Brady Rood is an Auckland-based performance artist, and in February of 2016 she floated with survival blankets on the Whanganui River. The resulting installation, which is accompanied by photographs from her survival performance in India, speaks to the state of emergency faced by many rivers across the world, and our role as poisonous and potential saviors. During Rydie's time in Wanganui, I sat down with her and talked about her practice, what it means to create performance art, and her new work, Wanganui River, Gold Waters. A warning, we recorded this interview by the hour, and as hard as I tried to make the wind and birds cooperate, no amount of audio manipulation can quell the sounds of nature. Try and think of it as background music. So, do you want to start by talking a little bit about your practice? Yep,
1: um, my work I think is uh, being focused on the environment and issues of waste and concepts related to our interaction or engagement with the natural world. Um, so probably for around 10 years um, I've been quite sort of Fundamentally based in this kind of uh, investigation or experimentation That somehow is uh, a way of reconnecting to parts of the world that I feel that society is more disconnected from Like the natural environment and the ocean and the forests and the, the rivers
0: You arrived in be on Monday, mm. now it is Friday and you've been creating a work for you here. Do you want to explain a
1: little bit about the work and what inspired you to do it? Yeah, um, well the work has stemmed both from here as a place in Wanganui and the river and also in connection to um, a work I created in 2015 in, in Morney Hills in, in India, which was a, a piece called River Flag. Um, I've been working a lot with water and I have quite a strong interest in bodies of water and the significance and relevance of water in our life um, as a life force and also related to issues of pollution, um, plastic pollution in the ocean and the industrial pollution or agricultural pollution in fresh waterways and lakes and rivers and things. So. I felt that um, after this first piece in, in India, um, then talking with you, Sarah, about um, an exhibition here around um, the topic of water, that I, it seemed like a, a natural step to, to do a, a second piece that responded in a site-specific way to the, to the Wanganui River. It seemed like a, the perfect Sort of opportunity to to follow through with some new concepts and experiment a little on site and develop a piece of work specifically sort of about this place. And that also had this nice connection um, to my practice because I have been working a lot um, in different parts of the world, especially India, recently. And it felt like there was a nice connecting line between working in two rivers and in two places and Bringing together that kind of awareness that it's not just this river or that river; it, it's um, that all the rivers in the world are essential. And yeah, because that's one
0: of the core concepts of the show. Um, Still, water goes stagnant. Is that not only does water literally flow mm. throughout the the entire earth, connecting us all, but mm. the ideas and people that yes. flow between places as well, that keep mm. things alive. alive.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think with water, it's, it's, it's very much connected. I mean, I've, I keep coming back to the, to the feeling of, well, this, we are water also, and yeah. you know, water is so much a, a part of the earth and the flow that connects everything. And um, and I feel that, yeah, with Whanganui, um, it's also, you know it's a wonderful river to work on, especially with the recent developments of it becoming a legal entity mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool, but it's also I mean it's also strange that we have to do that that you know we're required to kind of have to force those things instead of just naturally being in a position as human beings to respect and revere these things in our life already that we, we have to go to the steps of like Legally yeah. representing or um, trying to show that this is something that should be respected and treated as an entity, I mean it's good that we can now say that it is, but it should be all <laughs> all the rivers in New Zealand should be like this, and all the oceans and the forests and trees need that kind of protection yeah because we're not we're not naturally doing it, yeah so. The work involved floating seven
0: emergency blankets on the water as well as you floating. How did emergency blankets make their way into your work?
1: Um, yeah, I have worked with them on sort of several occasions in the last couple of years um, because i'm interested in uh, and issues of survival, um, and survival of the natural environment, survival of the earth, um, survival of humanity also. Because I think we forget that we're completely connected to the earth. Um, so I guess the blankets were interesting for me from that perspective. We see them, um, you know, we see them wrapped around refugees or times of disaster where people are maybe. Um, in a very desperate situation, or they may not be well, they may have been found unconscious, we sort of see them used in these quite desperate times and desperate places. So I feel like um, I would like to offer that sort of gesture of, um, that I want to preserve the river, I want to help the river survive, I want to show that it's in a state of emergency, um, that we need to rescue um, these things, And it was also, I guess, a very um, gentle act. Like, Mm. um, in order to achieve that sort of very delicate floating, like physically, you know, we really had to so carefully and gently place with such a sensitive touch that it it was also about this, that that act.
0: And as humans, I think it's the way we need to approach nature. Yeah. With a gentle hand that
1: is nurturing yeah. and caring as opposed to destructive and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for those reasons I think um, I have the interest in survival blankets and that's specifically how they um, have entered the work. In, in India I actually made just one very large um, bamboo pole uh, flag called river flag which was composed of maybe, I think, three or four survival blankets, which I had joined and then cut into the shape of a flag. Um, and it, I felt like in that, in that work, I was kind of, um, I walked a trail towards the river and I was carrying this flag um, up to the edge of the river and where I stood on a sort of an old Kera temple. And I felt like I was sort of connecting both the water to the rock, to me, to my person, to the sky, with the flag, everything in mm-hmm. the wind, everything kind of felt like it was very connected in that moment. So that's, I guess that's kind of where it began for the work, and it sort of felt like a like a prayer or a wish or a meditation on, on survival of, of water and of the river in that context. So when it came to being here in Whanganui, um, in it's not, I didn't want to just repeat you know, the same work, for example. I wanted to uh, develop a new piece uh, responsive to here. And it just seemed really nice that there is a large body of water here. Um, whereas in, in Morney Hills, it was actually a very little river. I mean, it was a big river, but a little water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whereas here, there is a lot of water. So to be able to float on the river and to engage the surface of the river directly, as and especially kind of as a being to wrap it or to delicately place this um, feeling of survival on the surface of the river. That was yeah, that was kind of what inspired the work. Is there anything that surprised you about the Awa when you started working on it? I think just that um, the actual day when we when we did it um, was quite. I was kind of overwhelmed with how just actually everything sort of, you know, they just started to float and it was very gentle and it was, the day before we'd kind of been done and tried a little test and we were in a bit more wind and it was a bit more, the surface was a bit more choppy and it felt like a bit of a struggle or a toil and I was questioning oh is this gonna, you know, how's this going to work, is what I imagine going to be able to be done on the surface or is it going to be tricky and I think, um, somehow we left those questions unanswered but we sort of trusted the site and the river that it was going to work and then just to be able to go there and, and just the river itself to, um, it just felt like it was accepting this, <laughs> this work so that was really beautiful and then also the colour because you see the river and we don't necessarily notice how golden it is actually <laughs> and when I was actually putting the gold surfaces the blankets on the surface and the colour of the water was also very golden and um, you can really see that those colours are keyed And that was quite amazing to see. And I think also with the gold and the water, and we, we value gold like, yeah. and yet we might be careless with water, so I think there was a nice also um, cross dialogue there with um, the idea of gold and water or, and waters running gold and then of course rivers that have been used to, to pan for gold and there's things as well around the country but not specifically was I really thinking about that but just at the time when we were doing it the yeah the colours and the landscape and everything that gold really just kind of I oh, mean that is
0: also ties to the um the fact that water is becoming more and more precious, precious as yeah. a commodity exactly. and you hear well, about corporations yeah. trying to buy yes. water rights and things yes. like that. So, yeah. so it's this thing we think of as a um, <coughs> as a right mm. that may not stay that way
1: forever. Yeah, well I guess that's the other thing um, that's quite essential in the work or in my concepts at the moment as an artist is this um, questioning of the term resources and our understanding of the planet as resources is something that I would like very much to shift away from and in a way of thinking, whereas we should be understanding that we are kind of privileged to be here and to stand on this earth which has been around (laughs) infinitely longer than we have. And that somehow in recent years and sort of through acts of capitalism and consumption and materiality, we've come to just view all of these things as resources, which I think is a great shame and and hopefully as human beings we'll have a chance to kind of rethink this in Mm. terms of how we engage with our planet and how we go forward. So this work
0: we've talked about a little bit about this in the past Mm. about it being a work that has already happened, so it happened two days ago. Mm. Yet it's not actually finished yet.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because it will be a video piece um, in the in the show, and I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I just think
0: it's the interesting, it's the interesting place that performance, where performance, sits mm. as an art form, yes, and that right. it both. Is ephemeral mm. and yet is so often documented and lives yes. in another another so zone. So yeah. it's sort of like, where does the actual work exist? Is yeah. it? There are almost like multiple works. There are. Yeah,
1: I see. Yes, because I mean we've had this sort of wonderful like, time and experience, and um, yeah, and very much felt like that was the act of the creation of the work. But then there's also going to be the opportunity to share that work. Um, and have it in a public space and be shared and so on through the documentation so that was actually yeah there's kind of a balance between sort of creating the ephemeral installation which then also sort of becomes a series of ritual acts like a performative piece um, and evolves that way and then of course making sure that that is documented and captured that can become um, a piece of work, a video art piece, um, or a photographic series for exhibition. Yeah.
0: Performance art is something that a lot of, I think, a lot of people st- struggle with.
1: Mm.
0: Not just aesthetically, but sort of mentally. Do you have any theories on
1: why people have sort of? Um, issues with it? I'm not sure. I, mean, I think I also struggle with it and I feel challenged by it and maybe that's also what makes it interesting to me because I mean I as an undergraduate student I went through the painting department and then as a master's student I moved more into sculpture and installation or practice. I, I guess for myself I feel more engaged and more challenged by being able to work really Connected to a to a place, and I think our bodies are what connect us. Do you have a ritual or a set of things that you go through when you're
0: preparing a performance, or is it completely varied?
1: Anyway I think it, it seems to be quite different um, every time. <laughs> but then I think I have quite. An, I think my practice has become very experimental. So. Yeah, that things are always kind of developing and changing on me. So Yeah, what's the interesting thing I know from my
0: perspective as the curator of this the exhibition that this is going in is explaining to sort of other members of the staff and to the people who like the Coast Guard and things like that, mm. sort of explaining to them that this performance, this making it doesn't have a set start or set end time mm. that it could adjust that we had to leave ourselves open to changing our minds halfway through Mm, or mm. that things might, the result could be one of many things.
1: Correct, yeah. yeah, And none of those were right or wrong mm, or none of those were... They would just be what they would be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a lot of um, intuition involved and then you need to just kind of listen to yourself and um, feel the way forward, like... um, not necessarily do something because you think, oh, that would be right, or or um, yeah, there's it's, it's not there's no clear right or wrong path. It's it was more about sort of just feeling guided by my intuition and by my eye or by my heart mm-hmm. or whatever towards like yeah, not necessarily a specific result, but trusting that the concept will bring something, which. I felt like it would and just had to trust that (laughs) yeah i mean i was funny you should say that because i think it's
0: from a from a gallery and a curator perspective it's it is all about trust Mm. it's knowing that you've picked an artist who who has a strong concept who has a strong background and you just trust that everything will be fine because
1: I mean, I'm sure at times that you know, if I look back on my career, there's probably things that I've done where I've afterwards thought, mm, you know, <laughs> maybe I was still learning when I did that, or you know. I mean, we're always learning and everything, and of course, even now, still definitely learning. Like every single time I make a work, but I think, you know, it's, now I can say I can look back and, and sort of feel that I've actually have been able to develop that trust of the intuitional, intuitive process. Mm. Um, better that's something that I think I've managed to improve on within myself at least to know and to feel it when something's right so yeah and to be guided by that
0: the exhibition Stillwater water goes stagnant will be on view at Sergeant on the Quay from the 7th of May until the 31st of July 2016 thanks for listening the Sergeant podcast is released monthly and is produced by the Sergeant Gallery O Wariorewa, Whanganui. Information and pictures relating to this episode can be found on our website, www.sergeant.org.nz.